Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer. Join in the Soul Shack tonight. It is a mighty clean Soul Shack, I might add. Sir. On my right, Adam Markham. Addy, how are you, home? Chillin', mate. Chillin', mate. You chillin', mate. Almost chilling a little too much. Yes, sir. 27 holes of golf today. Yes, sir. Eight, 10 a.m. beers. Five o'clock somewhere, Eddie. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, you know, lucky I'm here. I did try and, uh, get a quick little nap in and I had, I set like four or five alarms, woke up on the, the fifth one. So. The final one, like the, the deep safety. It was meant to be. It was meant to yes, be. Yes, sir. The last line of defense. Yes, sir. We always used to joke when my papa was alive, he was like half deaf. And we always used to joke that his cell phone, Needed to have like the cow's siren on it and also shoot fireworks out of it whenever <laughs> he got a phone call. <laughs> I feel like that should be your alarm at this point. Oh, dude, when I was, uh, I've always had a, a hard time waking up in the morning. But yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, like in high school and stuff, I I used to, I, I'd have like five alarms going off and they'd all be set across the room. Um, and I'd still sleep through them all. Like, are you okay? <laughs> Do you have like narcolepsy? <laughs> I think that's- I think I have like severe sleep apnea and, and, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I probably have some major issues going on with me that I need to get looked at. If you had like the sleep number bed or the, the I need no, I watch, I need to get a sleep study. I, I truly do. If anyone out there has had that done, holler at me. Um, it's got it's, a lot it, of issues going yeah, on. It's interesting. I, I think I knew someone at one point that did one of those and they basically just like watch you sleep right yeah. through like a window yeah. and, and take measurements and stuff. Yeah. You're hooked um, up to a bunch of stuff. They get, you know, has all these readings and, and tells you when, how many not. times you stop breathing right. and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guarantee I, I have it. So they just, they, they bring you in and they're like, Oh, sir, boy, you are, you're messed up. It's amazing. You made it here today. Yeah. How are you functioning? Yeah. How are you alive? That's a great question, but I'm sure you, uh, Gave it hell on the golf course today. Great day on the course. Shot a 77. Look at you. Then I went out with your brother. We got in nine. It was, uh, it was a great day. But yeah. If, if I'm ever taking off work, you can guarantee I'm going to be probably on the golf course. hundred percent. on Lord the golf willing. Course. Lord willing. Y'all and, and you and Connie both, you know, just trying to get it in while you can. Connie's got one on the way here. Do very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking news. I, uh, I've got one on the way. We are shout out to my lovely wife. She's uh she's preggers. That's right. So uh she's doing she's doing great. Now he's uh well she's really struggling, but she's she's doing she, great, she's but a, it's she's awful. a trooper. She's a yes, trooper. She's she she's really going is. to work and women uh, truly like it's incredible whether you have a good pregnancy or not, like mm-hmm. Allie was talking about this. She had a great pregnancy. Yes. It's still awful. Yeah. There's a human being growing inside of you. You can't sleep well. Your organs are being moved around. Your oh. back hurts. Your feet hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Natalie's really had a tough time with this one. I mean, she's uh, she's basically just nauseous all day long. That would be From awful. the time she wakes up to the time she goes to bed, she's uh, having a hard time keeping stuff down. She's already had to get two IVs. So. That's crazy. So shout out, babe. Proud of you. Um, hang in there. Hang in there. You're still like a hair in a biscuit. That's right. As we like to say in the South, which is a really, really gross saying. <laughs> Don't want any hairs in my biscuits. Sure, it happens. Makes it extra good. As long as it ain't a tenderloin biscuit. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> I yeah. mentioned tenderloin biscuit, I think, in every episode. episode. Yeah, the last three weeks. Yeah, it's good, though. It's like your hallmark at this point. Yeah, tenderloin biscuits are good, Josh. You're right. They are good. Well, where's your favorite place to get a tenderloin biscuit? We got a spot, Rich Palm Market. 
Oh, are they good? Yeah, it's the, you should go there because it is like five minutes it's from It's very house. close, yeah. It's like three bucks. They're great. It's a nice little change of pace biscuit for the morning. Yeah, know? the uh, Bojangles has it off and on. They're like, uh, port, and like yes. port tenderloin biscuits. So, Do you like those from there? From Bojay's? Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. Oh, so bro, yeah, you, just, you need to go down there and get you one of these. I'll go check it out. I'm always looking to Tomorrow. They have, they have a drive-thru? Yes, they do. Ooh, okay. That's going to be my new spot because that might actually be the closest spot to get uh, breakfast mm-hmm. from. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to check it out. Thanks for the rec, Addy. Yeah, no problem. Speaking of recommendations, I can't recommend tonight's episode any more highly. We've got our boy DFF trip back on the pod. We were going to do some stuff here leading into his interview, Addy, but this happens sometimes. Typically, we record these little intros after the interview, and sometimes the interviews are just so good. Mm-hmm. We just want to get into it. Get into it. So we're going to get into it. Yeah, there's not I mean the news and all this. There wasn't that much stuff going on this week. Um, yeah, we just uh, people want to hear trip. That's right. We talked about the Kenny Young trade. So if you're wondering what to do with Kenny, yep. check it out. Yep. We've got it's some um, higher level questions. We're not necessarily looking at like, let's break down the top 12 linebackers. Not yep. that there's not value in that, but I think we just needed a little bit of a breather this week. Yeah. Talk about some above the treetops type of questions and have some fun. Yeah. And if you want us to get into this, this more of the stat stuff, me and Johnny got another episode coming later on in the week. So that's right. Uh, you know that, that we're always going to bring that fire. So check out that probably dropping Thursday or Friday. Yep. That's right. So check that out. Look forward to that. But uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it with our boy DFF trip. Welcome to the IDP show. Whoa. Breaking down all that you need to know in this world of fantasy football. We're going to help you reach that glory. Running it back just like a pick six. All right. We're back with one of our absolutely favorite guests. It is DFF trip trip. How are you, my friend? I'm awesome, man. It's been an interesting week, interesting year of football and an interesting week of football. Gosh. I'm glad we're here. Good to see y'all. It's good to see you, man. What a week it has been with the bipocalypse that we had, the Bimageddon uh, this weekend with so many good teams on by. And then that awful slate of games. Like, let's just let's just call it like it is. I think that afternoon slate might be the worst slate that we're going to have this season in terms of competitive matchups. Uh, but we're here, uh, the past two weeks might've felt like a month, but we're going into week eight and, uh, we're going to be talking some IDP tonight, getting a little bit of an above the treetops type of view on the season. So we're not going to be digging into like the start sets and who played how many snaps when you get trip on the pod, Addy, you just want to dig into some of the more interesting topics, you know, search want to get inside of that brain. Hear what it has to say. (laughs) Just, just hear what the brain has to say. Yes, sir. I love it. I love it. All right, trip. Well, let's jump in here, man. We've got some really good questions. Uh, but before we get into that, I always like to just check in with our guests. How have things been with you? You're still uh, writing for Dynasty Football Factory and doing the Thursday night getting defensive broadcasts with uh, the IDP tipster and JJ Winter. How's that been going? That's going well, man. This has been fun to get on there and talk football with those guys. And the writing is fun. And DFF, that's a good group of guys. It's, it's just it's fun to talk football with those guys and mix it up. And it's, it's, it's enjoyable to learn and write. And so it's a it's a good process, and I enjoy it a lot. It's interesting week of football this week. I mean, I can't remember a time where I saw more slam dunks in a survivor pool in my life. <laughs> Truly, yeah, there was some like some humongous spreads, 
and Mm -hmm. teams somehow covering like ridiculous, you know, 14 point plus spreads. I mean, it it was a good week for survivor pools, bad week for fantasy Addy. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just ready for the Geno Smith primetime games to be over. Please God. Can we let them just end? Do we have to keep doing this to ourselves? It's like three in a row. I believe. God, man. We had Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. And just for him to lose all three of them and the way he's lost them, he's had a shot at the, and every single one of them, he's had a chance. And can then we it, say that and then Gino, immediately blows it? Can we say Geno Smith has a chance when it's Geno Smith with the chance? That's true. That's true. Good point. <laughs> when he got, what was it, DK Metcalf bossing some dude and getting half the receipt, the passing yards for Geno in the entire game in one play. Like, <laughs> Truly. Yes. Yeah. It was uh, 80, 80, 82 yards or whatever. And then he had like 83 yards in the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah. yeah. Such. So, that's the Gino experience. None to Tyler Lockett, Josh. I know. I needed I needed about five points from Tyler Lockett, and he decided to get about 3.2, and I lost my matchup to Bobby by 0.26 points. So, yeah. That's his oh, no. fantasy. That's why Bobby's not here. He's too yeah. busy celebrating. He's popping the bubbly. <laughs> so, I, I mean, did Tyler Lockett punch Gino Smith in the jaw? Like, what are we doing here, Gino? You've got an explosive weapon and you're throwing to like Freddie Swain on third and long. I know, man. He looked like a superstar out there. Freddie Swain. Freddie Swain. What is happening? Got to feed Freddie Swain. Anytime you can feed Freddie, you got to do it. All right. Well, let's stop talking about this for my blood pressure goes through the roof. But it's good to have you back on trip. We've got some great questions. As I mentioned, some of these pulled from Twitter. Uh, Aaron, help us get some of these together as well. So we're going to start off with a couple pieces of news, though, just quickly here. Uh, The big trade that went down in IDP world, of course, and it may end up being a nothing burger. That's what I want to get your take on here. Kenny Young traded to the Denver Broncos for a 2023 pick, I think. It was essentially like a 2023 uh, 2023 pick swap. No, I'm sorry. Not even a 2023 trip, a 2024 Pick swap. So about as little as you can give up in an NFL trade. That's what Kenny Young just fetched. Do you think this has any sort of bearing for IDP? I have to say that I think it does. And the reason why is because the Broncos have had both on inside and outside linebackers. So many guys go down injury. It's just been insane. It's just the number of I think I saw somewhere somebody in one of my group chats said something like they have they started to lead the year with eight linebackers and six of them are, are on IR. And so Kenny Young is a guy that knows the system, the Fangio defense and the, and the defense that he was playing in L.A. are substantially similar. So he should be able to come in, hit the ground running. The question is, does he play full time or not? He started the season in L.A. playing full time. And then about three weeks ago, he got benched. He probably did something stupid. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, he's not a bad player, but he does. It's like the equivalent of a running back fumble. Did something dumb, got benched. Uh, his role was scaled back because of it. And that's, I, I expect, although we don't know for sure, but I expect that's what got him run out. They put in Troy Reader out, who they know is a limited player, but who's not prone to such stupid mistakes in LA. And so Reader is the full, is the regular guy, not full time. So Young in Denver, I would reckon, has a chance to be full time. Do I think it's likely? No, I don't. But um, it's it's certainly interesting. I would say that he probably gets a slight uptick in value, which is pretty funny for a guy that gets dealt. Was it him and a 2024 
seventh for a 2024 six. I mean, you really, I don't think can trade a guy for less than that. Truly. <laughs> I mean, unless point. you get like the uh, semi pro washing machine deal that uh, Jackie go. moon got. It's like, what's the least <laughs> amount we can, we can trade for. Can we trade 2025 <laughs> picks at this point? Or can you only go out to 2024? I think it's 2024. I think that's <laughs> it. I, don't, I do not think you can deal less than that. So it's about, we want this guy out of here. We want this guy off our roster. You know, here's something to get it done. And so they send him to Denver. But the funny thing is, is that the, you know, who's going to play instead. It's possible that Baron Browning, the rookie second, I think he was the second rounder, third rounder, third rounder comes in and but Browning was concussed in the last game and he's more of a, a project type player who has some ability some athletic ability and some upside and and uh, so I was expect that this week that Young and Sternod are the two inside linebackers and yeah you know, I would guess that they play 60 to 75 percent of the snaps each and we'll you know we'll see what comes of that but uh, it's a, it's um it's interesting. It's worth monitoring for sure. And if you're in a typical league that we talk about with 11 full complement of 11 players, then you got to be paying attention to this. He's a guy that you probably might should have cut and didn't, but um, you got to hold on to him now and see what comes of this. <clears throat> yeah. Adam, not necessarily someone I want to start this week because we just don't know, mm-hmm. but trips, right. I mean, who's left standing yeah, in right. Denver. Yeah, right. I mean, he uh, he certainly will have an opportunity probably. Yeah, you, you got to give it a few weeks to kind of, you know, how that shakes out and everything. And I, I imagine he is going to need a little bit of time. But yeah, I mean, this could be someone that could be really useful for you the, uh, you know, last quarter of the year. Is the Denver Broncos linebacking group might be the second most nicked up only behind the Jets. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know that the Jets have anyone left. Is CJ Mosley still standing? Because behind him, I think everyone else is dead. Yeah, he's he got hurt. He 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 missed this last week, right? Did he? Quincy okay. got hurt. Um, and then uh the rookie tore his Achilles. Um yeah, they're uh <laughs> it's grim. <laughs> it's tough yeah. times. We just gotta get we're hoping for Jared Davis to get back. That's right. Yeah, we got Jared Davis coming yeah. back. But I mean that we should have seen that coming. Quincy Williams, I think the uh there was a lot of people that are really optimistic about kind of his outlook, but I think we should have, you know, been cautious anyway. Um, so I think a lot of people probably got saved from their, their selves with this Quincy stuff. Um, because I think Jared Davis is going to have an opportunity to, to come in and, and show what he's, you know, made of. Yeah. You think that was probably Quincy's undoing once Davis got back in the lineup? I think so. He was he, I mean, just taken out of our hands. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So let's talk about, this is a personal question trip and I, I need your sobering take on it because I am a, uh, a, a admitted optimist when it comes to Jamin Davis, but we've been saying all season, they've got to get this guy on the field. They have to get him some opportunities. This defense is bad. There's no reason he should not be out there. Holcomb has played fine, but he should absolutely be playing over John Bostic. And we're finally starting to see that now with Bostic out. Uh, Jamin Davis for the first time cracked the 90th percentile of snaps playing 98% this past week. Is it finally happening with Jamin Davis? Please tell me trip that it's finally <laughs> happening with Jamin Davis. I think so. I, I think that this reminds me a little bit of Isaiah Simmons last year and maybe Zayvon Collins this year where he, just, I, it, you know, I just, I, I used to be of a mind both with running backs and linebackers that they needed to come in and, and be significant roles right away. And that just, 
it's not where it's going. The defenses are getting a little bit more complicated and it's taking more time for these guys to ease in. And I, I really think what's happening is that you talk about defenses being multiple. Well, what that means is that a guy has to learn multiple roles in order to be full-time. And I just think it's taking Jamin Davis, like a lot of other rookies, time to learn all the things that they want out of a player. And it's and, and so you now that, like you said, Bostick's out, and um, you got Landon Collins. Oh, why? You know, what are you doing, Landon Collins? I mean, it's, he's out. He's on the roster because he makes too much money to get cut, in my opinion. So, <laughs> I think it's a matter of time. Like you said, the Reds, the, the football team is, they're not going anywhere this year. They need to get those, they need to get him as a young player out there and see what they got. I agree. This team, I think last I heard was essentially the, 32nd ranked defense in most notable defensive metrics. Like they, wow. you could not be any worse. Yeah. What a fall from grace. I know, year. right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it truly is baffling because of the amount of talent and the coaching pedigree that they have on this staff. Why this defense has been so bad, but uh, I'm with you. I think, especially with Bostic out of the way. Now it seems to have cleared the lane for Davis to come in. And um, it, you know, if this is going to be, this bad of a defense, I think you have to shake things up. Addy, it's like what we saw with uh, the Chiefs benching Daniel mm-hmm. Sorensen in favor of Juan Thornhill. They just said, this guy is so bad. We've got to get him out. Our defense needs a spark. And um, obviously Davis was out of necessity with Bostic out, but we'll see. I, the times I've been able to watch the Washington football team, Davis is making plays. Yes, he, he's flashed, certainly. Yeah, you can you can definitely see what, what everyone... Uh, is hyped up about when it comes to him. But yeah, I mean, you know, everyone thought Bostic, you know, once, once he kind of went down that, yeah, Davis was going to step right in, but they were still running. Um, they were running those three safeties out. Yep. McCain curl Collins was, is basically paying, playing linebacker pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, now that we've seen his, his, uh, his snaps kind of, you know, go the, the other way. Yeah, Davis should be fine, I think, going forward. Yeah, I think um, so. And it, that team's just um, been such a letdown. That defense has been such a letdown. There's no sense in not trying something different and letting Davis get out there and do his thing. You need playmakers. And this is interesting because I was talking to Kyle B. You know, we're trying to make lineup decisions for this week for our team and in our main league, and we have just a lot of good safety options. And I was trying to figure out why Collins, who scored well last week, um, only played, um, looks like, 42.9% of snaps. Mm -hmm. And I I was thinking, okay, so they had McCain and Curl on the field for 100% of the snaps, but this also coincides with Jamin Davis playing 98%. So I think in a weird way, even though Collins is listed as a safety, yeah. Jamin Davis is the reason Collins is being taken off the field. Yep. hundred percent. That's yeah. and that's why he was not getting on the field because they were still using Collins there yep. as a linebacker. So you're starting to see that switch. Now. I think like Tripp said, he's only on the team because of the amount of money he makes. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't think you could even trade that kind of contract. He's gone after oh, this year. hundred percent. Definitely gone. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Trip, one of our favorite things to pick your brain about, because it's admittedly not a strength of ours, is defensive schemes. And so I'm curious, as you've watched these teams over the past seven weeks, has there been anything just interesting or unexpected scheme-wise that you've noticed from these uh, NFL squads? Well, there's really been a couple of things that are really league-wide things. And I 
I can't say that I for sure that I've seen numbers that bear this out, but just watching it and looking at a number of different players that are evidence of this, there are two things that really stand out to me. And the first thing is that the number of linebackers that are playing full time seems to be coming down a little bit. And it's something that I've felt, I will be honest, I felt like has happened. It felt like was on the precipice of happening for a lot of years. I, I can tell you that guys like Justin Barnes and, um, and Gene Bramble, who've been playing IDP for forever, have been warning on this for a long time. And I feel like it's really not happened as quickly as they thought it would, but I feel like it's finally starting to happen now. And what I think is happening is that you have these offenses, which are very situational. It reminds me of basketball in a way, right? You have a team that will play two or three of its best players, and then you will put out two or three other guys to go with those guys. And it might be the rebounders or it might be the free throw shooters or it might be the three point shooters. And then you have the offenses are changing personnel and the, the refs are literally stopping play. They're literally putting their hand on the ball, the line of scrimmage, and they're allowing the defense to make changes. And uh, this has been a rule that's been for a few years. And all, and so there's not many teams that aren't doing that anymore. There's a few teams that have really consistent personnel like Washington, which is not doing real well with that, like Tampa, where they're playing a lot of the same guys every snap. But then there's other teams, the majority of the rest of the teams, they only have a handful of guys out there that are playing close to full time. And then there's they're rotating. And they're rotating these packages. And part of it's because of the the offense. And part of it's because of the multiple defenses with the three-man fronts and the four-man fronts and the bear fronts. And so that's a big change where I think that I, you see the linebacker position not being as consistently full-time. And it's not just – it used to be that you would say a second linebacker play 85 90% of the snaps, and you're not seeing that you're seeing a, a second linebacker play 60%. Like Kenny Young being an example we just mentioned, where you have Reeder and Young playing 81% and 55% as your top two linebackers in LA last week. And I think we're seeing more of that. And so I think that that's a big impact in IDP because it's making those guys who are full-time linebackers more valuable. Um, it's you know, I, Every time I go into a draft, or redraft especially, if I'm I'm looking at who are the last four or five linebackers who, who I think I can get at value in a draft, and that's when I start taking. And wherever they go is where they go, right? I mean, you just you know at a certain point you just got to start taking them because you don't want you don't be caught out. And so that's a big challenge I think that we're going to see going forward with with you know with um. And so the question then is, and we had this conversation on getting defensive last week is do you start to rely on those guys which are only three-quarter time players? And when you're in bye weeks and injury situations, you start getting stuck with it. It's like Josh Bynes this week. Um, Josh Bynes, a lot of folks may not know, has taken over the starting middle linebacker position for Baltimore, but he's a three-quarter time player. Uh, Patrick Queen has been displaced and moved out to the weak side linebacker role because of performance issues, which um, um, much of Macri and y'all have touched on or highlighted on Twitter. And so, um, but Bynes becomes an interesting player given the constraints of the position right now, which historically has not been the case. Normally, you look at a guy like Bynes playing 75% of the snap, you just ignore him. So that's a big change, I think. And I think that that's rooted in this, in what I look at as defense. We have, you have two to three interior defensive linemen, two edge defenders, two cornerbacks, and one to two safeties. And then you have three guys left. And those guys don't have to be linebackers. We think of them as, well, they got to be linebackers, but they're not. Landon Collins being the example we just talked about. There's a safety, and there might be two safeties. And then there's a linebacker or two. 
And there's this basically three roles that are kind of swishing around in that void in the middle of those eight players, the two safeties, the two IDLs, two edges, two cornerbacks, and how they mix and match those varies by team. And in some cases, the team will have a safety switch in and out of there. And in some teams, they'll have a slot defender who will get some snaps in that void. And then some teams have a full-time linebacker. But I think there are fewer teams that that think that that player has to be a full-time linebacker. And I think that that's a big challenge we have in IDP. The second thing I see on IDP is, and that's related to it, is that more and more teams, in my mind, are playing two deep safeties. And you see this particularly against Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs, everybody's talking about it now, is like the way to stop them is to play two high instead of one high safety. And because of that, you, you, a guy that's really been impacted by that through seven weeks has been Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons was an all-pro last year, sixth overall safety, if I remember, in fantasy pros scoring. And he's like 40th this year in defensive back scoring on fantasy pros, just way down the list. And the reason why is because he's been stuck in game flows where he's had to play back. And that's that's playing a big role. And Buda Baker has been impacted by that a little bit. And um, and so it's, it's really making the safety position really hard. Um, and so an awful lot of guys that we drafted high because we thought that they were going to be, you know, big producers in the safety position have, have been underwhelming and Jeremy Chin being another one. And these, and a lot of guys are being impacted by the NFL wide trend of playing more too high safeties um, by playing more conservatively. And the big thing there is that you have NFL teams gambling with six in the box versus the run and thinking that they can get a, stop and run defense was six against run. Buffalo has been doing some of that too. And they, that was highlighted in the game they had with the chiefs where they had Tremaine Edwards, Matt Milano and their four linemen. And they were just taking, they're daring the chiefs to run at them with that group. And that group was getting it done because you have guys like Tremaine Edwards, who's uh, was it 250 pound and blazing fast with the agility you know, to spare at the middle linebacker position. And so they're able to do things, you know, with that personnel group that, they really hadn't planned to do it a couple of years ago, and their defense has been a whole lot better for it. So I think that those two trends are really hard on us for, ID, for as IDP gamers because you have fewer full-time linebacker options and riskier safety options. <clears throat> that was going to be – you sort of answered two questions that I had chambered there, and I, I want to confirm here that I'm thinking along the right lines, Trip, which is that – because I asked this question to Macri, and they talked about it on the Big Nickel podcast, that – there is a an abundance of cornerbacks on in the top of the DB scoring rankings this year. Like I just looked at it, big three scoring twelve. The top twelve DBs, five are cornerbacks, including Trayvon Diggs, who's of course gone nuclear this year. Number one, it's number one, right. yeah, uh, <laughs> thirty five more points than the next highest DB. Um, but even with his bye week, and so. Is that with the two high safeties and more safeties playing deep, which as we know is not really conducive for IDP points. Is, is that maybe a contributing factor to why we've seen so many cornerbacks mixed in amongst the top scoring DBs this year? I think it could be a piece of it, but I really think it's bigger than that. I was just looking at it earlier today and three of the top five scores are DBs. One of them, of course, being Trayvon Diggs. But um, our CVs, I'm sorry. But um, I think that another part of it is that when the teams look at how do they attack offenses 
And, uh, you know, to use to borrow a phrase from Tom Kisslingberry, he often talks about tackles being something that happens to a defender and not so much something a defender does to an offense, which I think is an interesting way to think about it. But there are absolutely our defensive coordinators who are looking at players on their field and they're thinking, how do I attack that offense? Who am I trying to strafe a backfield with? And I think that historically, the idea was in like it just I, so historically, but like ten years ago, the idea was we want to attack a defensive back, an offensive backfield off right off the gut. Mike Zimmer is famous for his double leg blitzes, for example, and so um, and, and so what's his name um, Jamal Adams, right? He's he's a guy that's always blitzing up the middle. And what more and more teams are doing, you're seeing this with Tennessee. You're going to start seeing this with Atlanta a little bit with Dean Pease there. Now that he he was the former Tennessee defensive coordinator, you're seeing them attack with the slop defender. You're seeing this in Pittsburgh, too. So you have Pittsburgh, which has Terrell Edmonds, and he is a guy that, based on his deployment, you would think would be a good IDP, but he's not that good. And part of the reason why is because they're blitzing and attacking the backfield or doing run blitzes with their slot defender rather than their strong safety. And I think you're starting to see more of that. And because of that, I think that a, you see um, – <clears throat> you see in the cornerbacks have the potential to have as much value as some of these safeties stuck into high systems because they're the ones that are attacking the defensive back, the offensive backfield. And so I think that that's kind of a, a change that we've seen evolve over the last couple of years. Logan Ryan did this in 2019 was the top overall defensive back. And he was a slot defender and primarily, and he had, was nominally a cornerback, but, and that's part of our thinking too, is we have this like this brain, freeze that a slot defender is by definition a quarterback it's not really the case richie grant me a great example richie grant was drafted as a safety in the second round or nominally a safety and he's playing almost exclusively slot in atlanta and it's because they use the slot defender to attack the offensive backfield not because he is a lockdown man cover guy Yeah, so that helps me sort of contextualize why we see this happening, right? And so the other question was about linebackers because this was something that um, I've heard brought up as well is it seems like we're starting to lose the number of reliable linebackers that have these three down roles, right? Like Mike Wollert famously puts out his, you know, green dot article, his three down linebacker article, and shoot, here in the next few years, trip that may be like six names in that little that little <laughs> chart that Mike puts puts out at this point at the mm-hmm. rate we're going. So we had a question here, and this is you know I don't know uh, if this is my favorite type of line of questioning, but it does help to contextualize how we view certain IDP positions compared to offensive positions, which are more familiar to most players. The question was: Is linebacker the defensive version of tight end for fantasy? There's a clear top tier. You have to pay up for them. And then there's just a whole bunch of replacement level streamers beneath that top tier. I feel like this is kind of an apt comparison, especially this year. Mm-hmm. I got I, I it. I think that makes some sense. I always think of linebackers or more recently, especially in true position as running backs. You have the guys that, um, that, you know, like the, equivalents of the Christian McCaffrey's who are not just out there all the time, but also good players like Fred Warner or Eric Kendricks. And, and then, um, you have the guys after that that are you know that are situationally dependent uh, that aren't really that good of a player but that they're playing a lot and so they're able to put up some points and then you have the guys that um, you see their workloads impinged on so I do think the tight end makes some sense right I mean you have like said that 
there, there, there is this top tier. The top tier in a linebacker is obviously still much deeper than tight end, but there's still what five tight ends that anybody really wants. And then after that, it's kind of a mess. If you're streaming linebackers, it's because you're you're playing like six starting total IDPs. So you really can't do that. And if you're playing 11 IDPs and that's more leagues I play in. Yeah. If you're playing, if you only have six total IDPs and you're only starting two IDPs, then I think that makes some sense because you're able to stream pretty regularly. If you only need that many IDPs on your roster. Yeah. I mean, there's, you're not going to run out. Whereas, you know, you're playing 11 defenders, you're more likely to to have an issue with the scarcity. But uh, yeah, if you're playing six IDPs, then you're not going to run out. Yeah, Addy, it's been a run of scarcity at linebacker for the boy this season, running out Reggie Raglan and Jermaine Carter for multiple weeks in a row. <laughs> Alongside Devin White. That's like the hot girl in the school and then like just the two ugliest friends imaginable. And just so many of those sexy linebackers that we thought were going to, you know, taking it like Patrick queen, just dust. Now Kenneth Murray was dust. not hurt, know. but also was right. losing his job. Exactly. Before that. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's hard out here for some pimps, man. Not a great, not a great year for, uh, for linebackers. Um, Roquan Smith, though, still a baller. Darius Leonard, still a baller. Awesome. Yep. Uh, and Devin White will get it together. It's just he started slow last year. Um, some of these players just, you know, have up and down years. But, yeah, linebacker's been pretty brutal this year. And it's been kind of difficult to, I mean, who has been the, uh, I mean, Tay Crowder, but that may be coming to an end with with Bernard McKinney, McKinney in town. Um Quincy Williams, that seems like it may already be done. That's, David Long's probably the biggest pickup of the year. David Long, but I mean, Jayon Brown is going to come back at some point, you know? I don't know that Jayon gets the job back. Probably not. I think you, you got to let David Long have it. But again, there's just more guys. And Avery Williamson's still there. Um, we'll see if he gets on the field at all. More than any other year, I feel like you've had to pay attention to some of the grossest names on mm -hmm. planet Earth for your linebacking core because oh, yeah. it's sort. I agree with the the running back comparison feels apt this year because running back is also incredibly gross right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, outside of Derrick Henry, like you could make a case for like several guys as the second best running back in fantasy, and but it's a big, big, big drop off. I feel like from. King Henry down to the next guy. Honestly, though, to me, safety has been the, the worst position. You think so? I think so. Just because of how many, I mean, how unlikely is it that Derwin James is the guy that is delivering, you know, everything where Buda Baker, Jamal Adams, Justin Simmons, all these guys are just not doing what we thought they were going to do. I mean, you know, we thought that there was some security and, and, five or six guys, you know, those guys I just mentioned, but man, it has, it's been a total letdown. Yeah. It's been the likes of Kevin Byard, number two, according to big three scoring. That's not too surprising. He's always solid, but number two, the top yeah. safety. That's very surprising for me right now. He does a lot. He plays everywhere though. I think Kyle, people would be surprised how many box and slot snaps he has. Those uh, slop snaps as He's well there. as we know. Uh, Kyle Duggar. Is, there you go. That's surprising. Uh, the third safety. He's balling this Logan year. Logan Ryan is fourth. 
Jonathan Abram is fifth. Right. Wow. Micah Hyde is sixth, and Kari Willis is seventh right so now. So there you go. That rounds out the top 12 of safeties. Those are the seven that yeah. crack the top 12. And we liked a lot of those guys, but, I mean, we just Not thought that. the top seven. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we thought that there would be some other ones in front of them. Yeah. So let's move to the next question here, Trip. This is from Jamie HG on Twitter. Ask, is it crazy to think that Grover Stewart is shaping up to be a much cheaper version of DeForest Buckner? Yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. I'm, I'm not sure where Jamie's coming from. Jamie's a good guy. I'm in leagues with him. Grover Stewart's a nose tackle. <laughs> DeForest Buckner is one of the few players. There's, a, I think there's a rarer read of these defensive tackles that are designated interior pass rushers. You're hearing what Forrest, what Tom Fletcher Cox is griping about in Philadelphia is he's not that designated interior pass rusher anymore in the current scheme. He's being asked to do more one and a half gapping, more two gapping, and he's frustrated with it. And so that's why his production is lower. Buckner is going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, that guy who they want to get upfield, who they want to disrupt. He's really good at it. Right now he's out there with Taekwon Lewis and Al-Kadid Muhammad, and it's just the defenses are able to focus on him. And so I think when Quiddy Pay gets back and gets healthy, and if if Kamoko Toure can ever get his stuff together and they get some guys out there that can tackle on the edge in space that, you know, maybe they have a chance at a good pass rush and Buckner won't have so much attention focused on him. But um, I'm not terribly worried about Buckner. I, I think he'll be fine. I just think he's out there right now and he's got to, you know, he's leading a band of kids. It reminds me of that Matt Hasselbeck ad when Hasselbeck's standing behind a, a, a bunch of kindergartners up for off for blocking on his own line. And he's getting crushed out there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've moved on. Kamoko Ture is yesterday's news. We are all about Dio Odigbo. <laughs> there you go. Dio, Looking to <laughs> yeah, it is. He is going to come back and save us. We are very excited. So, about so that. are you in, uh, are you and Jamie in like a defensive tackle required league together? Is, oh, yeah. is he got, yeah. does, I'm guessing Grover Stewart's on his team. He's, he's scoping <laughs> uh, his league mate for some info here. Yeah, maybe he's got Stewart on his roster. Maybe he's looking at him on waivers or something like that. But yeah, he and I are playing in some big old true position leagues where, yeah, we're playing like super deep. He's commissioner of a league with 20 teams that I'm in with him. And that's, that's, a, that's a bear of a league right there. Oh my so. God, 20 teams. My chest is tightened Jeez, during that. So yeah, he is looking at some Grover Stewart types. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some Grover, oh, Grover from Stewart Sesame Street. Roster in that one. Yeah, yeah, that's not the kind of guy that sits on the waivers in the league that deep. Oh my God. Yeah, it's getting grim. So no, to answer your question, Jamie, no. you the best with some Southern right. Yeah, with some Southern Thomas nice. Hey, yeah. Hello there everyone, it's Don here. You might recognize my voice from Honest Movie Trailers. Today I'm helping my friends from the IDP show talk about their favorite sponsor, Manscaped. Also joining me today is my friend Emily. Say hello Emily. Hello everyone, happy to be here. It's football season baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code IDP show at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. 
Now go tame that wildcat off bins. Nobody wants their balls looking like Tom Brady's balls after he deflated them to win against the Colts. Yeah, Tom, we know you cheated, you piece of crap. Sorry, sorry. I just get fired up thinking about that beautiful man and how many Super Bowl rings he's won. Doesn't seem fair we're all so ugly and have no Super Bowl rings when he almost has as many rings as he has fingers. There is truly no justice in this dark, dark world. Anyways, what was I talking about? Something about shaving your balls. I've totally lost my place. Let me vamp while I try to find my place. Smooth balls are nice. I like smooth balls. Smoothie, smooth, smooth. Balls, balls, balls. And now my script has fallen in the floor. Emily, can you please help me out here? Sure thing, Don. The world is starting to open and the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, performance boxer briefs and the shed travel bag. The performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. You still suck, Tom, no matter what these copywriters say. Sorry, Emily, just had to get that off my chest. Please continue. It's okay, Don. Tom Brady is a dirty, rotten cheater. We all know it and Tom knows it. He has to sleep with that fact on top of his giant pile of money and presumably human bones. Anyways, where was I? Oh yes, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7000 RPM motor, a new multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Rain, snow or sleet are no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. There's no 15-yard penalty for this clipping. This package also comes with the Weed Whacker. This elite nose and ear hair trimmer is also waterproof and uses a 9000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This trimmer also has proprietary skin-safe technology technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. After trimming your footballs, show them some love with liquid formulations from Manscaped. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your balls game to the next level. Don, are you okay to proceed now that you've dealt with your impotent rage toward Tom Brady's beautiful face and his many many Super Bowl rings and millions of dollars? No, but I'll try my best. We have an exclusive offer for our audience. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code IDPSHOW at manscaped.com. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code IDPSHOW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code IDPSHOW. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. Also die in a fire, Tom Brady, you beautiful cheating piece of rat crap. So this one came in from a uh, obscure listener, PFF's John Macri from Twitter asks, longtime listener, first time caller. Not sure if you saw the new UK linebacker recruit with six fingers, but my question is, if you had six fingers on one hand, what would you do with them? And does it make him an immediate IDP star? So if you missed this trip, UK linebacker JJ Weaver was recently outed as having six fully developed fingers on his right hand. It is a medical condition. And I'm going to try to pronounce this called poly 
pterodactyli. Like nice. a pterodactyl is what it looks like to me. <laughs> it occurs in approximately one in 500 births. And so to answer John's question, what would you do with six fingers? And is JJ Weaver need to be skyrocketing upper boards because of this extra digit Addy? Can he lend one to, to JPP? Can we do like a share a finger, take a finger type? Yeah. Of That's right. <laughs> yeah. JPP has got to be so jelly right now. Yeah. Just looking at his hands specifically when he's in the same room as JJ, like, Hmm, that's mm-hmm. a good looking extra finger you got there, bud. Yeah. Um, I would, I would learn the coin rolling trick because then you'd be super cool. Cause you could do it across like what? Five knuckles. Yeah. Um, it would have to help your golf game. I feel like, I think so. I think it would help everything. I mean, it would, everything would be a lot of, the only drawback I think is you just have another finger to potentially break. And also gloves. You'd have to get special gloves. gloves yeah, right. Made. Everything's got to be custom made, but you know, that's no big deal. No big deal. I know a custom <laughs> glove guy that can take care of it for you. Trip, what would you do with an extra finger on your right hand? Well, first of all, I got to say that our man Macri probably dropped his beer if he's listening live when y'all said that Derwin James couldn't be expected to be the, the extra one. He spit, his, he spit his Canadian lager out on that one. And Molson. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, yeah I, try, I tried to poo-poo his take on that on, on the show this summer. He's like, he hasn't knocked on me just yet on the bird app. So. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, the the six finger things, man. If I'd be, if I was him, I'd I'd go to that ref and say, man, look, if that quarterback, if I'm checking that quarterback, he's in the grass. See, <laughs> <laughs> I want that guy with dead because I got the grasses you can't match. <laughs> That's right, and it also works against you, Addy, because you have an extra finger now to get a face mask penalty. There with. you go. So That's you true. gotta be mindful of that. I, I I feel like you could maybe do like the. Like in baseball, I would always have two fingers in one of the glove holes when I wore my glove. Mm-hmm. I think I would have to do that on the the football glove as well. Just, like, just to minimize the number of digits yeah. that can come into contact with a face mask. Bowling may be interesting. Ooh, that would be interesting. You know? Because now you've got, what do you do? What fingers do you do the holes in? Is that your... Your middle, your, your, do the Spider-Man, you do the Spider-Man uh, hands. Yeah. Drip saying he does the hook em horns in his bowling. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. He's got more leverage. He can really get some rotation. Yeah, he's got some ball. good spin on the ball now. That's right. So, and uh, I, I do think this, this does need to move him up IDP boards. Oh yeah. And it's silly, but like this will get him some love in draft circles. Oh yeah. Interesting name. Interesting backstory, some sort of weird physical ailment like this will. Uh, I remember Schefter tweeted it and then just the comments were just on fire oh, immediately. Just great stuff in the comments. Yeah. So Weaver's going to be an IDP star. Lock it in. Probably a first round. Pick but he is Matt an Marie. edge guy. Like weirdly enough, like just like JPP, like it truly he's the uh, he's the better version the better version with the polydactyl eye. <laughs> All right. So there you go, John. Hopefully you didn't uh, choke on your Molson too much with the uh, Derwin James hate. And hey, it wouldn't, no, hey, no shade really intended. I just, it's just, you know, awesome to see him healthy and out there. And it's just, you know, kind of surprising. That was the guy you're just holding your breath yeah. every week. You're like, please don't let anything awful happen to Derwin James. Well, yeah, he had one of those instances earlier in the year. You know, I think it was like a shoulder issue for like a, just a series or something. And everyone was just on but, their keyboards, yeah. just weeping, but he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Everyone. He's fine. All right. Next question here. Trip comes from Sean cook in the magical land of Oz league. we got a couple of these questions back to back from these guys. 
Question is, how do you evaluate corners coming out of college in terms of fantasy production? I.e., we tend to think that lockdown corners who don't get targeted aren't great fantasy assets. We've talked a little bit about cornerbacks already. How do you evaluate cornerbacks coming out? Do you fall into this camp of really elite cornerbacks should be avoided for IDP? Do you target rookie cornerbacks because they're going to get thrown at a lot? How do you look at that when you're evaluating college corners? Well, I think it's pretty rare that a guy is immediately a lockdown corner in the NFL, so I don't worry too much about that. What I what I like in a in a rookie corner, uh, the the biggest thing that I like, we talked touched on this with the slot defender conversation. I like a guy that plays full time who sees the majority of his snaps in the in the slot, and it's that is a situational thing. So it's it's really difficult to come in a rookie draft to say that guy's going to be that guy. It just doesn't. It's just almost impossible to say that that would be a guy to even know in May who's going to do that. I usually don't know until you know August who really going to fall into that box. We had about five or six guys that way this year, which is a pretty high number in my opinion. Um, what I'm looking for in a rookie corner, I want a guy who's a, a bigger guy, like a guy who's six one or so, um, who you know longer arms, who's going to get his hands on the ball for passes defense. I want a guy who is good at press man. The reason why that is is because I want him playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, you get, um, you know, the guy that best fit the profile this year was J.C. Horn. And uh, and part of that's going to depend on landing spot, too. I knew that the Panthers wanted to play a little bit more press man than they did last year. Last year, they played a ton of zone because their cornerbacks were junk. Um, this year, you know, they, that's why they keep trading for guys. They traded for C.J. Henderson and they traded for Stephon Gilmore. They're just dying to play more press man. And so um, with J.C. Horn, you get that prototypical guy who's getting his hands on the ball, who's being afforded chances to, to gamble, who, uh, you know, is making tackles close to the line of scrimmage. And that's the guy I want. So when you could take a guy like Patrick Sertain, who I, I'm sure is a good NFL player, He's not as big. He's going to Denver, which is not as interested in playing press man. And so Sertain is not a guy that I have any interest in for IDP purposes at all, whereas Horn, prior to getting hurt, was a guy that I was more interested in. And, of course, the big thing there is you want a guy that plays full-time, and you have to be drafted pretty early to be locked into a full-time role. So we can safely pencil in trip, Addy, on the not-a-fan-of-corn-elder list. <laughs> Remember that uh yes. stalwart in the Carolina cornerback <laughs> room? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I on, on the short list of most interesting names in the league. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Corn Elder now playing for the Washington football team. I just found out with a quick Google. But yeah, I mean it's uh it's tough to evaluate those corners, right? Because I mean think about like and it, it, it trips completely right. It's it's all about those slot snaps. I mean Jalen Ramsey, I the best prospect we've seen in a long time right he wasn't even relevant for idp until this year which yep. when he moved into that star role and he's been playing you know mainly slot um all the top corners i mean kenny moore uh legeria sneed marlon humphrey all these guys are just dominating slot snaps um so yeah it is kind of hard to like pinpoint like you got to give these cornerbacks time you know and we get Typically, you're not going to have like a uh, a star cornerback come out and immediately play in the slot, um, like Sertan or J.C. Horn. Um, it just take it's it's it, it's a tough position to evaluate like that for for IDP production. But the key thing is we want slot snaps. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, on that list. Jalen Ramsey is the DB three. Is J.C. Jackson playing a heavy amount of slot snaps? Do we know? 
because he's uh, he's like got a lot of splash plays, I believe. Probably he's he's fifth on the list right now for DBs. But yeah, um, you have Kenny Moore is in that top group. Uh, Anthony Averett for the Ravens is in there as well. So Byron Murphy, DB for the uh, cornerback for the Cardinals, is in there. The other Dallas cornerback is like DB fourteen on the season, <laughs> Anthony Brown. So it is it is a great point trip that situation, right? So there are things we can look for coming into the draft in terms of measurables. Um, you mentioned big physical corners that can play press coverage, but also situation. And that's not something that we can know right away. That's why I think it's always important to have that kind of August check-in to make sure does our April and May hype for these rookies, is it aligning with the reality of what we see shaping up for their situation? And that's critical at a position like cornerback because you're right. We do want that slot corner and um, that can take some time to develop potentially multiple seasons before we, that starts to bear fruit. So let's move to the next question here from the magical land of Oz. This one comes from Tyler Arthur who asked, and this is a great question because I think this is one thing that maybe scares off new IDP players is how do you successfully negotiate in trades that involve both offensive and defensive players? And do you have any tips for how to take advantage of perceived value while doing this, especially in dynasty? So the question is around tips for taking advantage of perceived value, especially in trades that involve offensive and defensive pieces trip. How do you approach this in your leagues? Well, I think that a, a simple rule of thumb for me on trade and defense for offense is, is as I do not, I'd avoid to all extent possible trading offense for defense, unless I really think that it's an offensive player I really want to move off of. And then if I do, it's got to be for a stud defender. And when and the other thing is that I try very hard not to trade a stud defender for a package of defenders. I'm always thinking as particularly about defense, about packaging up. So if I, I I'm always happy to make a two for one defense for a, a Defense within defense because if I can get that stud guy, I probably feel confident in my ability to go out and get a replacement on the waiver wire or from my bench that I think is going to replace that production of the player I lost in a two for one. And then, um, it, it, so that's a big thing for me. Another thing is is think about who is situational. It's particularly safeties and linebackers, right? So. Like I have this one league, which is really hard, 96 teams, promotion delegation league. And I move up into premier tier this year after, you know, haven't been in league for what, three or four years. And I know that I can't win. I just don't have the horses in that league. And so I'm trying to think, well, how do I build long-term? Well, the answer is to trade all my safeties <laughs> because I know that safety is a short-term value. Just get rid of them, get what I can for them and invest in longer-term plays. So as an example, I got rid of Chuck Clark and I got rid of Cam and Curl and I got Michael Gallup and Mike Williams. And that's, you know, working out in terms of the dynasty value strategy. So um, that that's kind of a couple of tips, but the really the big thing is there is don't take offense. Don't take defense for offense uh, except in rare occasions. And, and so always be packaging up from the defensive side. And if you get a chance to trade off defense for offense, take it, especially if it's any kind of long-term offensive value in that same league, I traded away Darius Leonard too, because I would just, I wanted 
longer term value. And especially in the back seven of defense, that's very, in my opinion, temporal and short term value and defense because enough of it's situational, even with a guy like Darius Leonard, Darius Leonard plays in defense that 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 accentuates his IDP value. Uh, the, the way that the Colts line up that defense. And you're seeing the same thing in Philadelphia. You got, um, you know, what's his name? Alex Singleton with a super high tackle efficiency because of the style of defense that they play with the former defense or the former Colts guy running that defense. So uh, that's, those are my t- uh, tips on that. Um, with respect to dynasty too. I mean, it's the, the next thing I would say is that, is that look at those pass rushers because that's where your long-term value is. Pass rushing is a real talent and you got guys you don't quite see it quite as clearly now, but you had guys that were the stud pass rushers of the NFL were all 30 years old two years ago, right? Von Miller and Chandler Jones and all these guys, and they're starting to fade now, but Fletcher Cox even as an interior guy. And those guys, when they when they really show out, after it takes three years, they start to show out. They're good for a lot of years. And those are guys that you want to hold on to. And the, the time to trade is, is to watch for their efficiency with respect to sacks versus pressures. And uh, Tom Kissingberry will, you know, preach about this as well. Um, but if you see a guy that's getting a lot of quarterback pressures but not converting them to sacks, that eventually comes around. It can take years. Brandon Graham was out there putting high pressures, low sacks for an eternity. And by the time he finally turned like 29 years old and started getting double digit sacks. And so that's the kind of move you make. So a good example of a sell then is Trey Hendrickson. Uh, where he's, you know, not a particularly high volume tackler. He, but he was a, a high efficiency sacker last year with the, with the Saints. And if if anybody's buying him as last year as a as a DE one based on thirteen and a half sacks, then you make a trade there. It's a perfect guy to trade defense for offense on. Um, you know, and he's not been a bad player. I'm not here to say that he's poo and that he's not worth anything. But the idea that he is a stud pass rusher for years to come is a little bit suspect relative to a guy like Nick Bosa, who you know is doing it all the time. And Nick Bosa is not exactly piling up stats this year, but anybody who wants Trey Hendrickson in front of Nick Bosa this year is doing it wrong. Yeah, Eddie, it seems like when we do these kind of buy-sell segments, I think the rule I try to live by is get out early. Don't be left holding the bag on a guy that has this kind of extreme outlier type of production, maybe on limited snaps, or he's an injury fill-in guy. So I'm always trying to move off those guys when I can and extract value while there's still value to be had. Yeah. Yeah. And in dynasty leagues, you know, you got to know your league and know where everyone kind of is as a, uh, as a unit. I mean, there's always going to be people that are, you know, going to be pushing all their chips in trying to go for it. And then there's going to be teams that are hitting the rebuild quickly and, and doing it hopefully before other people are doing it so they can go ahead and get the, uh, you know, have their pick of the assets out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's easier to trade in my opinion. Cause you have more pieces to put it, push in now. Yeah, I think so too. We just saw, we just saw someone that uh, is rebuilding. Um, they had Darius Leonard and Jamal Adams and they were able to get, um, I think two first, a second and Marvin Jones out of Darius Leonard and Jamal Adams. Yep. So that's the way to do it. I it mean, is. and who do they sell them to teams that are going yeah. all in exactly. to win. So yeah, you have to know your league. I would also say, and this ties into our next question, which is how much stock do you put into analytical tools such as PFF when making roster decisions, when it comes to making trades and trying to extract value, 
pay attention to PFF grades because they give you insight into which players might soon lose their job. We saw this with Jalen Smith. We've been banging the drum on Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham is now dust. You probably should have moved on from Patrick Queen. Now he's younger, so maybe there's a more of a glimmer of hope for Patrick Queen. Mm-hmm. But those give you little hints into, hey, this guy might be producing for IDP, but the ice is really thin underneath their feet. So you might want to try to move on before they totally sink, you know? And so, Trip, are there other ways that you utilize tools like PFF when making your roster decisions? Yeah, the biggest thing I use PFF for is alignment. I want to know where people line up, and I – I can't, I don't have time to watch every game every week. And so, and the big challenge about IDP relative to offense is you literally have twice as many players to keep up with. On offense, you're looking at the six starters on that side of the ball because you don't have the offensive line to deal with. And on defense, you got 11 starters. And so it's just a lot to keep up with. And you need those numbers, in my opinion, to really kind of understand. Even after you watch the game, I think it's helpful to have the numbers to kind of confirm what you saw. And so I'm always interested in where in, in where the players line up, which gap they're lining up on the D line. Um, you know, do the linebackers spend all their time in the box? Do the um, safeties? What, what is the safeties deployment? Uh, that that's me. The first thing I'm I'm looking at that every Monday. Look at trying to understand how players are being used, and you'll see changes that will not that will surprise you. That will just Sometimes it's even raw snap counts. PFF provides that. Pro Football Reference provides the raw snap counts too. Sometimes, sometimes it'll catch you sleeping. Like I, Elijah Molden, I didn't notice last week that he played full time. I, I should have I missed it. You know, this week I see it again. Well, also that makes him a great pickup because we just talked about an hour ago Logan Ryan being a, a productive IDP in the same role for Tennessee. So that that to me is really an incredibly useful tool. And then Josh, you mentioned this other thing too, is who has a good grade. PFF isn't all be all end all. And some people want to smash on it. And there are guys that can play a part-time role and have a good grade because the coaches don't ask them to do things that they're bad at. But by and large, I think it's useful to look at because if you see a guy that's really productive and the best example is in recent memory is Donald Payne, who was a linebacker for the Jaguars about three years ago, who probably helped dudes win fantasy championships by averaging like 15 tackles a game down the stretch. He was averaging 15 tackles a game because the quarterbacks were picking on him that he was allowing completions and making tackles. <laughs> and then if anybody got to week 17 and had a championship that week, well, they got screwed because Donald Payne lost his job. <laughs> oh, no. And- <laughs> But Zach Cunningham is a is a bigger example of that exactly. I mean, was that I was I think I think Adam and I were mixing it up with the guys at IDP Nation talking about Zach Cunningham being <laughs> yeah. overrated going into the season. And, you know, well, here we are. You know, it's like you know, bad players being good for IDP is you know is a is thin ice. Like you said, it only lasts for so long, and all of a sudden you fall in. <laughs> hey, all I'm going to say is that those who bash on PFF can come around. We saw this with Arizona Cardinals safety, Buda Baker, mm-hmm. who uh, liked John's uh, FF, uh, FFS IDP video last week, followed John, DM John, and said that he respected John. Yeah. So 
Real recognize real. That's right. We have converted Buda Baker on the PFF front. Thanks to Macri's efforts on the bird app. So Addy, I think you had some more nugs here around these kind of analytical tools when making roster decisions. Yeah. For me, I mean, just like trip, I mean, alignment, so important, um, pressures and something else that I'm, I'm really interested in. Uh, that's usually, you know, sacks aren't always the best tool to measure how productive someone is at, at uh, creating havoc. Um, pressures is a, is a better tool pass rush win percentage. Um, then also I, I like looking at player profile, player profiler, seeing what these guys, um, look like athletically, um, forties, they ran uh, arm length for edge, uh, for edge rushers, um, things like that. Also, you know, snap counts, obviously very important week to week to keep up with and then see kind of what's going on. Um, and then just searching names on Twitter, Seeing what you know, seeing what the beat reporter beat reporters are saying about these guys. Um, we have a, a sub to the Athletic that's been very useful. Just 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 reading as much stuff um, about players as you can and kind of where they are and like just just what what fans even think of these guys. You know, because sometimes they have a they're watching these guys every week. They can kind of see stuff coming. Um, so yeah, I mean, just stay on top of everything. Uh, PFF, obviously it's, it's, it's just a piece of it. It Um, Yeah. It's a piece, but there's tons of tools out there. Incredibly valuable piece. Yeah. What, what else is anyone, you know, people hate on it all the time. What do you got? Show me a better alternative. Yeah. What do you got going on? My eyeballs. Okay. Let's let's see your advanced metrics. I want to see them. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) Mr. Joe blow on Twitter. Your eyeballs look great. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The athletic. Yeah. That's one thing that I've, plugged into more. I have an athletic list of all the beat writers on Twitter. So if you want to be able to follow all the writers in one place, come check out that list. But um, yeah, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle trip. And I feel like that's what gets conflated sometimes is that people who are detractors think that we're saying the be all end all is PFF. And you just need to blindly follow what they say in terms of the highest graded players for them are the best players for IDP. That's not true, but there are certain things you can pick out. The things that we've mentioned here that are uh, predictive of future success. That's really what we're looking for. What are the indicators that are going to point to success in the future? And BFF is a great place to find things like that. And as well as some of the other resources that Addy has mentioned. So, and I'll also mention Trust your gut too. like do your research. But at the end of the day, I was talking with Johnny about this. Make your decisions like this is your team. Yeah. You know, make a call. And just because a lot of times he was getting kind of um, fed up with people coming into his DMs, just wanting him to make all the decisions for right. their teams. Yeah. And it's like, no, I don't always do squad. that. I always do the Well, if it were me. Yeah. yeah. He says, well, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Well, what about this? And then essentially they arrive at the conclusion oh, on yeah. their own. Every time you, you typically, whenever I give someone an answer, like, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking anyway. They already know. They just, they just want... want you to confirm it, right? Yeah. Oh, another thing I'll say, uh, normalize points per game, you know, and 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 use that as compared to like where players are finishing on the year. Because until bye weeks are over. Right, yeah, it's not really really wonky. Exactly. Because you may have people like right now who've played six games versus seven because they've Mm -hmm. already had their bye. Until bye weeks start, it's pretty good. 
in terms of the, the finish, but then until like the end of the season, like I think the latest bye week now is like week 14. But even so, you know, so many guys miss, miss, miss games, stretches. Yeah. I mean, yeah, points per game is going to be much better indicator of who's actually, who can be a, a real advantage for you week to week. Truly. So uh, let's look at this last question here and we're spinning forward a little bit, but that's, that's fine. That's what we like to do here. Uh, Mike threw this out on Twitter. I think this earlier this week, that uh, the potential first overall pick and definitely the IDP 101 as of right now, Kayvon Thibodeau has been billed as the next Miles Garrett. So this kind of relates back trip to the conversation around Kyle Pitts, which is essentially if you know you're drafting the next Travis Kelsey, how high would you take him? So if Thibodeau really is the next Miles Garrett trip, how high should he be going in 2022 rookie drafts? Uh, part of it is going to depend on what this class looks like, right? And there's a lot of people, people that do Debbie, and I'm not a big Debbie guy, but people that do Debbie are saying that this this is going to be a thin class. And so for me, it, it, to me, it's, it's really about risk tolerance when I look at what to do with a guy like Thibodeau. I, and I think Garrett's a, a pretty good example. If you go back to the, you know, the year that he was drafted and, it's it's easy to say, well, he was a slam dunk and see a pick. I'm mean, like, yeah, I mean, mostly was a slam dunk. I mean, I don't know if there's any sure things in the NFL draft, but you go back and look at where he was taken, and you had three big time tight ends at that moment drafted right around the same time with Njoku, OJ Howard, and Evan Ingram, and then you had, um, and you, after that, it started to fall off pretty significantly. And you're looking at guys like Zay Jones and. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And so you start to get a sense of who you're drafting against. And then you had, after that, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. And so uh, and, and so there's a risk-reward factor. It's an enormous risk to say you ought to take a third-round running back ahead of of a, of a, of a oh, first overall pick as a defensive end. And, you know, and for a while there, I think that the Kamara Hunt thing got people thinking, oh, well, we need to take these third-round running backs really high. Well, that got Keyshawn Vaughn drafted, like, sixth or seventh overall in rookie drafts. And, yep. you know, I think there was a guy this year that – Michael Carter. Sermon, Trey Sermon, right? And Trey Carter. Sermon. Not yep. Yep. Right now. And so, and so that's like the risk reward thing. And then another good example is Chase Young. Mm. You look at – there were like – there were a whole bunch of receivers the year that Chase Young came out. And two of them were A.J. Brown and and – and Debo Samuel. So they were drafted right around that 110 type era location where Chase Young was picked. And so Chase Young is a safe pick, but you could have gambled and gotten AJ Brown or Debo Samuel. And there were two other receivers. I think our Sega Whiteside was one of them. I'm not sure who, I can't remember who the other one was, but they're a total bust. And so it's just, it's really to me not a right answer. It's about risk tolerance. Uh, and what is your strategy? How do you build a roster? Because I think that it's a good pick. I mean, Thibodeau, I could see him going as high as 106 based on what I'm hearing about the quality of the 2022 class. And it may be that it makes sense to, to take him there because you're looking at what some right wide receivers draft in the late second, uh, like A.J. Brown was. And, and you're thinking, all right, I need, I want to lock that in. And I think there's merit in that. I think, you know, I think that, you know, I had a, I had a rookie draft. It was a, I guess it was last year. I mean, you should, I had like 16 picks and you should see the, what I got out of it. I mean, it was just awful. I mean, you know, just, just a lot of downside in rookie drafts. And I think people just in fantasy these days are really overthinking or not overthinking, but they're, 
in their minds, they can get more value out of the rookie draft than they than they can. I think they they, they get too hung up on the successes like JJ like Justin Jefferson, and they don't get they don't dwell on or remember well enough some of the failures that they have in rookie drafts. And so, um, I think that Thibodeau might slide a little bit because that's the sentiment right now in the draft community. So if he's sitting there at one hundred nine, one ten, then these start to look like a good pick there because he's a good chance to hit. And but the only thing about that is that that's where you got to know your league. Is Thibodeau ever going to be worth more than that in your league? Because if not, you're drafting him at a ceiling, and that never makes sense. If you can never get more than a one ten for your stud defensive end in your league, then you can't draft defensive end at 110 and i'm in leagues where you're just never going to get more than 110 for a defensive end and so in that case you can't take a rookie that high that's a great thought experiment addy let's say that thibodeau is the next miles garrett three years we look up he is the defensive end one far and away clearly the guy for dynasty do you think, because my question I was going to ask was, do you ever see a scenario where an IDP could be justified going 101 in a rookie draft? And playing out this scenario, do you think if you had the next Miles Garrett in Thibodeau that you could trade him for the 101? I would argue that that's a possibility, depending on your leagues, of course. But I do agree with Tripp's point that I haven't thought about it necessarily like that before of, what could you get for this guy down the road? And if you can't get, say, the 106 for him in the future, you're drafting him too high. Where do you think that ceiling is for IDP? At which point you're just saying, there's just no way you could get the 103 for the top IDP or the 102. Is it the 101? Is that even, should that even be considered? Um, I think so. I mean, I, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, that's a ballsy move for someone to trade the 101 for any IDP. Um, oh gosh. I don't think so. My gut says no. That's probably not the smart move. But we've also seen. I feel like some- value wise, I mean, you could that, that could be fine. I mean, the 101 isn't always a slam dunk. No, it's not. Um, Corey Davis. Josh Jacobs. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, let's see. The highest. I mean, Chase Young is the best prospect we've seen in a long time um and he went what 106 i think that's the highest i've seen him go i think that's the highest i've seen any edge guy go yeah about middle of the first seems to be the highest i've seen an idp going that feels like the most someone's willing to pay like if their draft is coming up you know no one wants to go higher than like the 105 it always seems like those first four four Mm -hmm. picks maybe five are pretty sacred in terms of like no i think i can get an offense but you know and uh, and when there's weak classes like it seems like this 2022 class is going to be yeah it probably would make sense to i mean you probably should be a little more okay with you know trading one of those top four or five picks for a, a, a potential stud an idp yeah and it seems like this guy is that from everything we're hearing and so it's just an interesting year i think if any year you were going to see maybe an idp sneak into the top three or four this mm-hmm. would be the year because it does seem like from what i'm hearing as well this is going to be a pretty down class and we get those every once in a while trip do you do you know where this guy is compared to like chase young like were these are these guys similar prospects or anything do you know much about this fella I don't know if he compares to Chase Young or not. That's that's a good question. I, I've, I've seen that he is – I think I have seen that he's the best prospect since Miles Garrett. And 
Well, wow. Miles Garrett was the one on one. I think the only reason Chase Young wasn't the one on one because the quarterback was and yeah, quarterback value just pushes up. So yeah, I would say that he's in that same caliber of player. I should correct myself a minute ago when I said Chase Young versus AJ Brown. It was Nick Bosa that was being compared to those guys. But he was another one of those pass rushers that was top three type of a of a player. But yeah, I think that I think that he's there. I think that Kayvon Thibodeau is in that same conversation from what I'm seeing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think it makes I think it makes sense. Uh, it's but as, again, it goes back to your league. I mean, if 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 you could if like the question you have to ask yourself, if you're contemplating Thibodeau at 106, you got to ask yourself, well, can I take the 106 and can I get Nick Bosa plus or can I get Miles Garrett plus? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yeah, well, yes. Well, then, yeah, you got to do it because Kayvon Thibodeau might be a slam dunk prospect, but. You know, I mean, it's just a. I, can't, oh, I was thinking of a guy from Auburn. I just had a brain cramp. But there was a guy from Auburn who was the one on one like thirty years ago, and you know he was considered a slam dunk edge prospect, and he he, he busted. And um, it can happen. And so that that's if that's your league context, and you just got to know your league. And I'm you know I'm at a point now where I where I'm more and more interested in trading out of rookie picks because just the value you can get. Mm-hmm. Like you know I have a league where I, I was looking at Rashad Bateman, and somebody made me an offer. I ended up getting Cooper Cup Plus. Oh, wow. Right? So, you know, you just, that's, it's that's just good. where it applies now with rookie picks where it's just, I don't know if it's profitable to take a rookie. And, and there, there are people going to disagree because I'm more of a value play than a growth play. But, um, you know, you can get guys like Justin Jefferson, but you can get guys like Justin Rager just as easily or Jalen Rager. So, yeah, that's the real risk. And, and so, from a guy like Thibodeau's standpoint, it's just, it's about knowing your league. I think that at a vacuum, one of six could make sense. But if you can take that 106 and get an established edge defender plus, then you got to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, I just wanted to see uh, where Kayvon Thibodeau was being looked at in terms of draft prospects. So Nate Tice working with some of the guys over at Bleacher Report, they just published their first draft big board for 2022. Kayvon Thibodeau, the number one guy on their board. Wow. Oh, yeah. Nine, he's 101. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's 9.4. The next closest guy was another edge guy from Purdue. Uh, George Karloftis. So a couple edge guys, the top there. And after that, it was offensive tackle, interior offensive line, offensive tackle, D lineman, edge, cornerback. And you don't get to wide receiver until Drake London from USC at number nine. Wow. So, so yeah, may not be a bad idea to go IDP. Yeah. Hey, uh, we talked about Chase Young uh, trip, but he's, you know, gotten off to a slow start as we all know. Any concern there? No, no, I just, the whole defense is just boo and just, it takes a defense to make sacks happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, you just, it's awfully hard to collect sacks. If you're, if you're, if your cornerbacks aren't holding up, if your coverage isn't holding up, it's just the defense isn't playing downhill. I just, I'm not remotely worried about Chase Young. I, I look at Quinn and Williams as another one. He's just playing on a bad defense. Yep. It's just, it's hard to produce in that context. And so, yeah, I'm not stressing those guys. Those guys are good players. And Chase Young, I think it's important to remember 22 and a half. Everyone settle down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is maybe a good time to swoop in with like I a think low so. ball offer I think, for Dynasty. I think he's got to be one of the, the biggest buys right now. 100%. Well, the only thing is that you're in a win now spot, right? Because yeah. you know that that defense probably isn't going to get better this year. Yeah. And so what do you do with that? You, you just kind of, you just accept that he's not going to be as productive as you hoped when, when you started, or do you try to move him for a guy for a Bosa or something like that? And that's just, so there is a slight value loss in the sense that the current year production isn't what you hoped it would be. And so you've got to just accept that. 
yeah. question is, do you ride it out or do you, do you, you move to another asset, but don't take a loss in doing it. I mean, don't, don't let somebody tell you he's not worth, you know, not a stud player long-term. It's just, it's like, you know, like AJ Brown is another good example where a guy who was, we know is a good player and you don't say, well, you know, AJ Brown didn't do as much for the first three games or whatever. You don't say, oh, well, he needs to be dropped significantly down, right? It's just, and he's already recovering value. So that's, um, but you just got to be aware of the situation. There are players like Allen Robinson who, who Allen Robinson, we know is a good player, but it's just not going to happen this year. And so do you move Allen Robinson for another guy? Well, the answer is, can you recoup similar value from a re, from a rebuilder? And if you can't, well, then it kind of stuck with them. Yeah. I think if you're rebuilding, right. Chase Young's a, a great target just because, you know, if you got, say you do have a Joey Bosa, who's 26, 27 now. Uh, yeah. If you can flip him, you know, he's not really doing much for your rebuilding squad at this point. If you can flip him for a guy that's going to have, you know, probably six or seven solid years in front of him, like Chase Young, mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we get uh, a little bit of the what have you done for me lately mm-hmm. disease in fantasy football and also short-term right? Short-term vision, right? Right. Everyone's very nearsighted. Oh, this guy, he's, football. he's clowny. He's clowny now. Chase yeah, Young's clowny. <laughs> this is going to be on. this year. I know, right? He's, yeah, finally, he's, he's finally been playing well, but he's yeah. on like his eighth team in four years. Yeah, so. Chase Young wishes he could be Jadavion Clowney. That's right. <laughs> Just a bunch of, well, yeah, because Chase was the number two. Who was the, who was the quarterback taken in front of Chase? Burrow. Burrow. Yes. Which the Bengals, man, what a fun story they've been. Oh man, I know, man. They they look they look great. Jamar Chase, they uh they did the right thing not taking the offensive lineman. Yeah, they um and who would have thought? Because that just seemed like why yeah. do you why do you take a Yeah, guy? he just tore his ACL. Yeah. He Don't you protect him? The ball doesn't have a white stripe on it. He can't <laughs> catch anymore. Yeah, you know that's gotta feel great for Jamar Chase. Oh yeah. Just looking like the dynasty wide receiver one. He already. is. He's he's gotta be. He's a wide receiver one. I mean, I don't see how he it's it's him and Justin Jefferson and CD lamb. Those That's are the top it. three. That's the top three. Yeah. I agree with that. So, all right, trip. That was it. My man, a lot of fun. Like I said, we wanted to kind of go above the treetops a little bit, get out of the weekly, you know, just morass of trying to pull linebackers out of the muck here to start and plug into our lineups for the bipocalypse. So appreciate you coming on and letting that big brain for speak for itself in the words of Addie. Uh, but You've educated us. You've made us wiser and uh, we've had some fun in the process, man. So thanks for coming on and, and rejoining the show. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's, it's fun to get on and talk football. Like you said, it is fun to talk big picture stuff sometimes and not worry about who your LB4 is in the Bipocalypse. So yeah, it's been a good time. Jesus. If I have to think about another LB4 in the Bipocalypse, I'm going to run into traffic. Uh, Trip, what's the like most random guy you've started this year? Oh my gosh! You, I, when Waller got when I it, the what it was awful. I mean, Waller just from free, completely freaking broke me, man. I had Hayden Hurst go in two spots because of it. I had to literally play Keyshawn Vaughn in a spot because. <laughs> oh I my god! Anybody. Yeah, I couldn't pick up anybody, so I played Keyshawn Vaughn. Another spot, I just had to leave him in. I lost two close matchups with good teams because I couldn't substitute Waller out. It sucks. <laughs> gosh. It was horrendous. That was just an absolute backbreaker. But it, before that, I thought I was doing rough with the guys like Njoku starting and 
Uh, Chris Moore started in the spot for me with a freaking wide receiver. From Chris Moore? <laughs> yeah, dude, it was so bad. Oh, gosh. It was this is, I swear, I mean, you know, Twitter is prone to hyperbole and people say, this is the worst ever. I really do believe that this is the worst I've ever seen with I injuries think so. and buys this week. Yeah, that's and, what I. Yeah, I was talking with someone about it. Like I've, I've, I'm like you. I've been playing for 15 years at this point. Truly, mm-hmm. last week and the week before was the worst two weeks I've ever had. Yeah, just as far as buys just go. Just like we're really doing this, huh? Yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't had. I mean, my linebackers probably are the grossest ones that I've had to plug in, like the Reggie Raglins and mm-hmm. Jermaine Carters of the world, and some of the other guys we're considering off of waivers in their place week in and week out. It's like, oh no, <laughs> like we're already in this place, really? Yeah. So I just needed to pull out of that for a week and just talk about something not related to start sit decisions. So, Trip, let let the folks know. Where can they find you on Twitter? What do you have coming up? Get, uh, plug some stuff here as we wrap up. All right. Well, at Getting Defensive is on Thursday night. We will be telling you who to pick up and play at your LB4 on the week eight, which will be a little easier to navigate than week seven. Thank uh, you for falling on that grenade, my friend. We really that's appreciate right, y'all right. doing that. <laughs> I, I can't believe how much easier defense is than offense for that purpose. I got to tell you <laughs> I can always find a warm body. Yeah, we can always <laughs> plug someone in, by God. Uh, Justin Sternod, who's Ben Neiman, somebody will do something. <laughs> I'm too true. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I'm writing on for Dynasty Football Factory, my weekly column is the waiver wire uh, article looking at who to take. And, and I'm always focused on those deeper leagues like we're talking about. I don't I don't have any deep, any IDP leagues that are fewer than nine starters or fewer than 14 teams. I don't think so. That's that's the, the crowd that I'm writing for. <clears throat> yeah, that's I was going to say. Our offensive waivers in our main league. So this is a 12 team league with 45 man roster and a nine man IR. So our number one running back, as far as who scored the most points last week, Johnny Stanton of the Cleveland Browns, Trenton cannon. So we got the Stanton cannon double stack here, uh, 7.6 points and 5.9 points at wide receiver. You will be thrilled to know that Gunner Olszewski from the, the, yeah, there you go. Gunnar Shusevsky from the New England Patriots and Freddie Swain, the aforementioned Freddie effing Swain, your is boy, number two. So the defensive waivers are not that grim. They are bad, but they're not that bad. Yeah. So There's pieces out there. Yeah, we can always find the pieces. So Trip, appreciate you again, my friend. Make sure that uh, you are following Trip on Twitter. Uh, the handle is at dynasty trip. That's with two P's. Make sure you've got a subscription over there to dynasty football factory. They are doing awesome work. Check out trips work over there. And also on the getting defensive streams on Thursday. Thank you again, my friend. We will have you on again before the end of the season. Maybe we'll need another breather just to talk about, uh, you know, maybe stressful playoff time or something. We'll take a breather and just talk about maybe some draft prospects or big picture stuff, but always appreciate you, my friend shout out to our patrons and our listener league participants. We appreciate and love you all. We will be back on Thursday, Friday, Friday, Addy with you and Johnny doing the uh, IDP preview for week eight. So look forward to that. Yes, sir. All right. We all take care. Thanks for listening and we'll see y'all on Friday. IDP show, IDP show, IDP show, yeah.